Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in today. This is a series, series four of Dropping In, where I have a co-host. I decided to chat with some Team Canada Olympians and that will probably be going to Tokyo in uh, 2020 slash 2021 and thought it would be best to have a summer Olympian with me in the interviews. So I'm proud to have Miss Martha McCabe join me for these 10 episodes of Dropping In. We hope to help you learn and laugh along the way through this series where we chat with some Team Canada athletes. Let me introduce the sport and guest that we will be dropping in with today. This long distance foot race is different than running. There are two rules. The athlete's back toe cannot leave the ground until the front foot has made contact. So it pretty much has to appear that one foot must be in contact with the ground at all times. The front leg must straighten from the point of contact with the ground and remain straightened until the body passes directly over it. I was checking out some images and saw some feet off the ground, and that's because these rules are judged by the unaided human eye. The reason being, athletes pushing their limits can actually lose contact for a few milliseconds per stride. And yes, this can be caught on film. It cannot be seen by the naked eye. Now, these races are held on a looped course or on a track, so judges can see the competitors several times during a race. Any guess on what the sport is? I know I'll be checking out race walkers' feet and legs closely this summer. At the Olympics, race walking has two distances, 20 kilometers and 50 kilometers, which is men only. Now, to give you an idea of how fast race walkers go, the world record for the 20 kilometer is one hour and 16 minutes. And the 50 kilometer race walk world record is three hours and 32 minutes. So imagine walking a marathon in under three hours, then picking it up and walking another eight kilometers. Hmm. Now, race walkers average under four minutes and four minutes, 30 seconds per kilometer in a 20 kilometer race for the top men and top women respectively. That's freaking fast. (laughs) Our guest is the fastest walker I know. I've seen him. I've made him race walk at a fashion show. (laughs) Sport run in his family. His father was a national team swimmer and his great uncle, an Olympian in the in the 1912 marathon. He wanted to go to the Olympic Games from the age of nine and started race walking at the age of 10. He's got a Bachelor of Kinesiology under his belt and he's an active ambassador for kids sport, having raised over $36,000 for the charity. Now at the 2016 Olympics, he placed fourth in the 50 kilometer race walk. Then he was upgraded to third after a disqualification from a Japanese racer. But then an appeal reinstated the disqualified racer and our guest let the results stand, keeping the fourth place. He's a Pan American Games gold medalist, 
World Athletics World Championship bronze medalist, a two-time world race walking team champion in with silver, silver medalist with his Canadian teammates, and he has qualified for the Tokyo Games. This son, friend, race walker, Olympian, active tweeter has found something that he's good at, and he's going to compete at his second Olympics. Let's check in with Evan Dunphy. Okay, Evan, it's good to see you. Are you ready to drop in? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so obviously we have 10 rapid fire questions, which I think you've listened to the show and they're never rapid fire. <laughs> I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> Number one, what is the average race walker's age? Uh, average age you get your best at is like mid 30s, early 30s. Okay. Nice. That was ra- that was a real rapid fire one. <laughs> Way to go, everybody! <laughs> yeah, and you know Martha, obviously. Yeah, of course. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. We're gonna go back and forth with these ones. Okay, I got number two here. So, fifty kilometers. How often do you actually walk fifty kilometers? Uh, pretty much not outside of racing. Like I've done it twice, oh. not in a race. Yeah, and then when you're like doing all the mileage you are doing and intervals and stuff, how many pairs of shoes do you go through, let's say in like a month? Do you just like, you must change them a lot. Yeah. So I, I used to, when I was with uh, New Balance, I'd burn through my shoes in like 400 K um, cause they were crap shoes. Um, now that I'm with, uh, with New Feel, I've, uh, I get like closer to a thousand K out of a pair of shoes, but a thousand K is still only five, six weeks. Wow. What? Like, Hey, wait, do you, do you burn the rubber on them? Is that what's happening? Yeah, so I'll, I'll like go through the toe because we're pushing, we push off like so much on our toe. Hold on, wow. hold on. I broke up there a little. You burn through the bottom of the toe? I mean, I have like burned through the top of the toe. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I, you just, I'll send you a picture after. <laughs> okay, just, please send me a just photo. like wear out. And it's, I mean, it's the same as like, it's same with like tires stuff. Like it's, if it's, I'm in Australia and it's 35 degrees my shoes go way quicker because you're just wow. the road temperatures 40 degrees and and you just burn, th- burn through them in the winter I can get through a little bit more how many that shoes do wild. you pack on a trip oh it's wild when I like yeah going to Australia for like three months you're just like half my suitcase is shoes going there and then you have all the space on the way back uh, which is great <laughs> but you learn how to like you learn how to like pack like I'll be able to pack like all of my contacts in like empty water bottles or like in sh- into shoes and like yeah it, it's amazing what athletes can do when it comes to packing as, as you both know. True story. True. Well, I had a snowboard bag. I always packed up too much, too, too much. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> number three, when you're not running, what are you wearing on your feet? Please don't say socks and sandals. Please don't say socks and sandals. I mean, I mean, first of all, I'm very rarely running. Um, I mean, <laughs> walking. <laughs> oh my gosh. Worst um, coast ever. I, I, I just, yeah, I just, I don't know, casual shoes. Like I wear my trainers a lot because I'm lazy. And most of the time I'm out like doing like, so I'm the kind of person that will, I, I will run to the, to the train station because it's only three K away. Um, and it's like, well, it's quicker than waiting for the bus. Um, so I like usually have like runners or like running adjacent shoes on okay. in case you need to run somewhere. You know, I'm totally with you on just running places. Like it's so much faster. Why walk? Exactly. I like that. Summer Olympians versus winter Olympians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. okay, number four. Uh, 
what's like how many judges are there when you're at a competition or like what what's the deal with the the red paddle have you been shown that or can you just walk us through that a bit yeah for sure so racing on like a one or two kilometer loop will have at a major competition you'll typically have like seven judges um smaller competitions like when i race locally here like you'll maybe have three or four um but yeah basically you can get these like yellow paddles that have either a little squiggly line on them or a little like right angle on them. And those signify you're either lifting with the squiggly paddle or the little angle, your bent knee. And those cautions mean nothing. Um, they're just like the judges being like, hey, like you're on the verge, like your technique's not great. Like just keep an eye on it. If the judges give you a warning, you don't see that. It just shows up on like a board that has like your number on it. And you'll come around and you'll see the board you're like, oh, I have two warnings. How'd that happen? Um, because you don't want to know which judges gave you those warnings because each judge can only give you, you have so to get disqualified. So now the rules are a bit different now, but it, so now it's if you get three red cards, you get a time penalty, kind of like similar to biathlon, where if you miss your shot, you have to do a penalty lap, except you just have like a penalty, like a, you just stand in a penalty box. And it's a minute per 10K of racing. So for a 20K race, it's two minutes. For a 50K race, it's five minutes. So if you get three red cards, you're basically in the sin bin for five minutes. Um, maybe you get a if you get a fourth red card, then you're disqualified. And that's where you see the red paddle. So the red paddle, it signifies that you're out of the race, completely gone. And, and only the head judge has that red paddle. So only that, only the head judge can actually like show you that you've been disqualified. Wow. Has that ever happened to you? Um, not in a major race. Um, we, we have like a small like tour in China that we do every year where it's, you get your second your second red card is a, is a smaller time penalty. And I, I've gotten that a couple of times, but luckily I've, I've not had to sit in the, in the, in the penalty box. In was it your, race. was it your feet or your leg? Uh, I think I was bent knee in that one, but so really, I mean, I know it's supposed to be rapid fire, but really good story. So a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people only like know about the Olympics from night from the Sydney Olympics in 2000, when Jane Savile, the Australian was entering the stadium. She was about to, you know, win gold. And she got disqualified in like the runway entering the stadium, like 300 meters from the finish line. And everyone thought, oh, this is this horrible thing. How could this possibly happen? She had been disqualified like several kilometers earlier. But oh. because only the head judge can show you that red paddle, that's where the red, the, the chief oh. judge happened to be. Because in the men's race a couple of days earlier, the Mexican guy who had crossed the finish line at first was on the phone with the president when the chief judge caught up to him and showed him the red paddle after he crossed the finish line and it was a whole debacle. So they then said for the women's race, no one gets on the track if they've been disqualified. So with like, uh -oh. you know, a few K to go in the race, they moved the head judge to the tunnel and just parked it there. track if they've been disqualified, we're not having a repeat of that. Um, so yeah, just a kind of interesting story that one of the few things that people know about race walking, it's, it's fun to tell that whole story. Wow. Um, very sadly after the race, I mean, they, sport is ridiculous. That, that happens to you and they shove a microphone in your face yeah. and they ask her, well, how do you feel right now? Or what do you want right now? Uh, and she just said, a gun to shoot myself. Um, and you can like kind of, and I, I think the response to that would be, don't put a microphone in front of <laughs> yeah, someone exactly. 10 seconds after they've been disqualified from their home Olympics in first yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. We learned that in um, media training now. <laughs> Take your time, cool your yeah. jets, and then yeah. talk to the media. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I love that's a That's a good insight. And honestly, I will be watching race walking in the Olympics and looking at people's feet and legs more than ever. 
<laughs> um, before I ask this next question, do you, I have like another question for you. That's not in the mix up, but it is what it is. Do you judge people's walking? Like when they're just oh, like, like day to day. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, <laughs> and, and people and people's like running I, more. So I like, I like see people running. I'm like, Oh man, like you should like, you should be walking. Like you're hurting yourself the way you're running. Right. But like, if you were to walk, even just power walk or, or like, you know, walk with the poles, you could, you could still be really healthy and get all these benefits, but you wouldn't be like damaging your knees the way you are and all this stuff. So that's like where I come at it. It's a little bit more wholesome than like, uh, look at that person. It's more like, <laughs> okay. Oh, like, no, like there's an alternative that could make this so much better for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do that with snowboarding. I'm like, Ooh, your stance could really be oh, a man. little different and you would feel a lot better. I'm not going for any walks or snowboards around. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't think either of us are getting in the pool with you, Martha. So, no. <laughs> okay. Um, number five. What is your favorite place to walk or walk race? Am I just uh, Saint in Switzerland? Race walk. Sorry. That's okay. It's it's people people get the idea. I walk fast, and sometimes it's a race. Um. <laughs> St. St. Moritz in Switzerland is, is like my happy place. Um, and, and it's so fun to talk to the Winter Olympians because so many of the Winter Olympians know, and, and Mercedes, you know it from, from being there with Team Canada for the Youth Olympics. Like nice. it's, it's this magical place, but it's like this magical place in like two completely different ways. Like the Winter Olympians see it for this man, like this still like natural made bobsleigh track and like all the winter amazement. And then like I go there in the summer and it's just as, beautiful and amazing and, and, and spectacular. And yeah, no, we, we go there for altitude training and it's just the, the best place. Wow. And the most expensive place, Martha, the most. <laughs> Less so in the summer. Less so in the summer, thankfully. <laughs> uh, Evan, you're pretty active on Twitter. Is that kind of your go-to app or... Or what? Tell us about your social uh, life. Yeah, I, I, spend, I spend way too much time on Twitter, at Evan Dunphy. <laughs> and... Um, uh, yeah, I, it's, I, it's where I, it's where I get my news. It's where I get my snark out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I just don't like, I like words more than I like pictures. Mm -hmm. And so even when I'm on Instagram, it's just like, my captions are always like several paragraphs long because <laughs> I like to convey messages through words rather than, than through pictures. And um, yeah, so I'm still on Instagram also at evidently, you know, just hit those follows up. It helps. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> nice um actually we we have a funny story about twitter um martha me and evan when i first met him he's like i have been following you on twitter for so long and you have not followed me back yet <sighs> and i was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry <laughs> um he's like oh, you're still not keep, following keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> he's like you're still a jerk yeah anyway following I am following you. you. See that? <laughs> I'm following you. No, you are not. I'm following you. What's this on? You, you are not. <laughs> on, in, on Twitter? This rapid fire yeah. is not ending, is it? We we gotta we gotta figure this Twitter thing out. Are you kidding me? I'm following you. Did you get a new? Yeah, there we go. Oh, you guys. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is. When this when is Martha asked, this is like her... breaking news. Like we are we're now like investigative journalists here. Exactly. No, yeah. That doesn't make okay. Do you know that my Twitter got taken over? Actually, someone pretended that they were Elon Musk in my. Well, maybe that's. And then I've I've been like pretty jaded on Twitter right now. 
I'll just say that the hacker unfollowed me. Yeah, they must have. No, actually, they did. They unfollowed um, Team Canada. They unfollowed like 50 plus people. So thank you for pointing that out. I'm now following you again. That's so crazy. I freaking hate people that think that they can take your identity on the dumbest apps. There, look, I'm wow. following you now. This all happened on dropping in. Multitasking. I need to find out who else they deleted. I hate that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm sorry. I am. Okay, well, now I followed you twice. Back to rapid fire. Um, <laughs> I feel like an idiot right now. Do you, do you listen to music while you're walking? I can't believe uh, I'm more of a podcast person. Uh, I, I will, I will listen to music occasionally, but, um, I just did, I did my 20 K, uh, statue just, just this morning. And I was listening to, uh, the dollop the whole way along. Uh, how long did that 20 K take you? Uh, I was just hour and over an hour and a half. <laughs> you are something else. Okay. 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 Go ahead. You want to, you have something you want to add? No, I like this next question. Okay. Yeah. So uh number eight here in rapid fire so okay 20 kilometers you're out for about an hour and a half but 50k you're obviously out there longer what's the deal with uh like washroom breaks or and chafing like i, I know in swimming there's chafing in in the marathon swimming so like what's going on like okay both of those but i didn't know about chafing yeah chafing is cha- chafing is bad um i went through a period uh of time when I actually couldn't wear shorts, I had to like train in half tights because um, my shorts would just get eaten by my by my thighs and, <laughs> and lead to horrible chafing. Um, yeah, chafing is certainly an issue. Like I mean, we have I we Vaseline to the max uh, in races. I'll have Vaseline on my like personal table just in case I need it mid race. Um, and then washrooms. So if, like your world championships, there's there's porta potties on the course. They're not always used. Um, uh, so. Um, Inyaki Gomez, my old teammate, um, that, uh, he, he was on the drinks table for me in, at the Beijing world championships in 2015. And someone decided to relieve themselves, um, from the back end, um, in front of the drinks table and, uh, Inaki, Inaki like got really angry because like, what? this is, people are standing here. People are <laughs> drinking yeah. here and, and went over with like all this water and had to like pose it down. And he said it was, uh, it was something he didn't quite sign up for um Wait. but it happens yeah you'll, you'll have guys that will yeah they'll, they'll poop on the race course yeah well like, I actually thought that would be more common yeah as they're walking uh yeah like I one of my teammates can like can can pee while he walks I've never I can't do it I've tried um but like yeah and it's because the hips because you're going side to side and there's genuinely been times when I've like he's like falling off the back on a training session um and I was like oh like I wonder how I wonder how Q's doing I turn around and I can just see like this like steady stream of like urine like going in like an S shape across the path. Um, oh. It's like I don't know. You kind of gotta say it's impressive. It um, is. I'm, yeah. I'm also gonna watch this at the Olympics. <laughs> well, Paul Paul Radcliffe, the former marathon world record holder, famously um, had to stop for for uh, for a toilet break during the London marathon one year. Um, so yeah, they go into porta potties. Yeah, they can. Um, yeah. So when when Johan Deniz won the world champs in 2017, like five came to the race, he ducked into a porta potty, wow. uh, spent like 30 seconds there, hopped out. Same with Matt Tatoff when he won 
world They're champs not wiping. in 2015. Um, maybe that's a, maybe that's the key. Maybe you have to do like because two of the last three yeah. world champions champions have, have done it. So um, I don't know. But we will we'll see you in the porta potty, <laughs> Evan. Just just taking a moment, minutes before the race ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Makes sense. Makes I'm gonna sense. be looking for like poop down people's legs now. Yeah, well, it, ha- it happened in Rio. The the, uh, the like the so the the French guy who was who was ahead of me who went off the front, like when I caught up to him at like 25 K, that was a big story. Like everyone, cause he, he, he had an ulcer that blew up in his stomach. And so he had like blood and poop like down his back. And, and he was in and, front of and you? He, and he, and he like, yeah. And we caught up to him and then he went on and like, he collapsed again at like 30 something K. He got up and finished the race. Guy finished eight. Um, wow. Like just incredible. Like, like, yeah, he's they, 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 50. K race walk is it's genuinely it sounds ridiculous but it's an insane event yeah I stuff happens sorry which was that the 20 or the 50 the 50 the 50 okay. but and that's leaving the olympics is this really the last time it's going to be in the olympics yeah yeah so um despite all um all of this um the ioc has determined that um no one likes it and it's not not worth keeping around so this the tokyo will be the last 50k race walk unfortunately but you like it i think it's great i i mean i could talk for for hours about like how how like how awesome the event is to watch and what it offers and it's a free event at the olympics to you know where you can stand around and and in london 2012 i stood on the sidelines in front of buckingham palace with a box full of beers and Watch the Olympics with watch the Olympics with my friend getting drunk in front of Buckingham Palace. Like it was, it was the best experience ever. Um, Yeah, it's uh, there's it has so much to offer, but um, it doesn't make money for the IOC, so uh, it's got to go. Classic, classic. Okay, enough about pooping and chafing. Oh, do your nipples bleed? Uh, They have. Yeah, (laughs) take you take precautions. Like it's it's not fun. It's the worst thing in the world. Showering for the week after is no fun. So so that like you you that only happens if you've like made a mistake or forgotten something okay it's like is this in the, the 20 or the 50 or both uh it can happen in both I, it's for me personally it's more like when it, if, if i like go for a training session it starts raining like yeah. halfway through the training session and i haven't put like vaseline on or or, or put tape on i'm like oh no this is gonna end very poorly how um, much vaseline are we talking like are, how much is going on your body i've never done this so i am like newbie uh, it's just, it's just like under, under the arm, under the armpits, under the armpits and, and between the thighs. And your nipples. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Nipples, a little bit or, or tape. Sometimes it'll just tape, you'll just put a piece of tape over top. Tape on the nipple. Okay. Mm. The Vaseline Sorry. is, it's big in swimming too. Like even for training for us, we put Vaseline all over before we get in. Like not, not everyone, but like, yeah, the suit's digging in your neck, your armpits, same idea, right? This is a whole new world. I really <laughs> cherish snowboarding and like baggy clothes. Yeah. Things I've never thought about. <laughs> Team. <laughs> um, okay, back to rapid fire. Number nine, super mellow question. Um, movies or books? Oh, I'm not good with either. They both require ironically, they I my attention span. I can walk 50k, but I can't sit through a movie. What? Yeah. Oh, you don't like to sit still. I just watched Waterworld for the and that's the longest movie in the world. That's like three hours long. Um, what would be the last movie that you tried to sit through? 
Oh, God, I don't even know. I, I do like a good documentary. Um, I, well, I watched um, that Seaspiracy um, on Netflix, um, which should have been called, uh, my, my partner pointed out, this really should have been called Conspiracy. But no. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's good. Martha has. Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but oh. I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I'm actually also like Evan, it's tough to sit through a movie for me. Summer athletes versus winter. But athletes. I, I that said, I will genuinely rewatch old fifty k race walks. Oh, they are like that are like in Italian or Spanish on YouTube. <laughs> like I'm not, well, claiming, I'm not claiming. I'm not claiming that I'm well adjusted. Okay, <laughs> Ken. Let's finish this rapid fire. Um, we lost Mercedes to the giggle factory here. Okay. <laughs> Number 10, going into these games, we're getting real serious now, but, but is there kind of a, a feeling of redemption for you? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, yeah, I, uh, no, um, for rapid fire. No, um, <laughs> I'm just excited to go there and, and stand on the start line and, and just have another opportunity to test myself against the, the best athletes in the world. Amazing answer. This will be your second. Okay. Thank you for doing the rapid fire, which is never rapid, but I feel like we learned a lot. I personally learned a lot. And I think our listeners are going to be watching um, race walking a little more closely this summer. (laughs) This will be your second Olympics. Is there anything that like going into these games that like you're more prepared for than you would sit than you were at your first? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I think um, it's definitely like a really different preparation. I mean, one, I just have one race going into 2016. I was racing both the 20 K and the 50 K. So I was trying to, you know, kind of train for two events or really train for like, you know, the middle of those two events and hope it hope I could be successful at both. And, and that's how I'm going to just focus on one thing. So um, that should be a little bit easier, but um, yeah, I, I mean, going into the first, my first Olympics, I didn't feel I had been to a couple world championships. And, and for me, honestly, like the Olympics are, are the same thing. They're just, they're just a chance to, to compete against the same guys that I compete against every year. Um, I, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but like growing up for me, like the Olympics was never glamorized. It was just normalized. Like my dad coached in Munich as uh, a swim coach. And like, I just grew up hearing stories about like, oh yeah, like when, like, yeah, we, this is what we did in the village. Like we, and we sat around and we, we had some beers and we talked about the races and here's what our team did. And like, it was just normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was never like this, oh my God, the Olympics, like it's, it was never this big thing. I'm not a ceremonies person. I, I, I fell asleep at the opening ceremonies of the World University Games uh, in Shenzhen, China, just completely passed out in the stadium of like 80,000 people. Um, I'm just not, that's, I'm just not wired to like, that's a thing. So for me, like the Olympics is just like, yeah, it's this big stage, but it's just racing the same guys I've, I've you know, I race every year. That's a really good outlook on it. I, my facial reaction was like, what? you what it's not a normal contest or a normal race um but the that perspective um is such a great perspective to bring to the games as well yeah and that's not to discount like the people that absolutely get amped up and fired up and like 
they live for the 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 glitz and the glamour of it. Like that's completely valid as well. It's just it's just not what not athletes how, live for the glitz and glamour of it. It's uh, freaking like one of the hardest times of your life. <laughs> Is that glitz and glamour? But I, I think whenever you when whenever I I mean I maybe that's the, the wrong way to word it, but when an ath- when you talk to an athlete and you say, oh, what was the best part of the Olympics? And they say, oh, the opening ceremonies. That's never going to be my answer. Well, that would so never that, be my answer either. Yeah, but but for a lot of athletes, it is. And, and I, I think that's- Oh, that's because they've different. like made it there. And they're like, I'm here. What yeah, was- to, a, to, an, to an extent, I think it's that. I, I think that doesn't discount. I think there's still athletes that are there to perform and to do well, but for them, like yeah. the, the lasting memory that they'll have is, is marching the stadium or um you know you know whatever that ceremony whatever they get from that ceremony is I think that's like the thing that 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 connects or stays with them the most and I think that's completely valid it's just I the Rio closing ceremonies because we didn't go to opening the closing ceremonies um we lasted there's about three of us that lasted about 10 minutes before we're like you want to leave I'm like yeah so we went and got on the first bus back to the village and got back to the village and, and well just and just chilled don't, I'm not blanketing this answer for all Olympians, but as an Olympian, having gone to four opening ceremonies, you have no idea what's going on. You're watching this show that there's no sound that like, you can't hear what the person at CBC or whatever is saying. So you're just like, that's kind of cool. I don't know what's happening. What's the story here? <laughs> Where there's like this deep threaded story that's being told to the people that are watching on their TV because it's made for TV. Or I, Martha would have stories from London where you're on the state. I remember hearing Spurs from the Stones. You're out there with, uh, you know, the Spice Girls playing Ooh. and all the speakers are behind you pointing outwards. You can't hear a thing. Yeah, it's- um, that's that's just what I remember hearing from everyone in London being like, yeah, it was cool that you could stand there and see the Spice Girls. But like, yeah, swimmers never go to the opening ceremonies. It's not an option, Okay, um, which I think is the same for athletics mostly. Yeah, yeah, more or less, more or less. Yeah. And, but but uh, yeah, you're right. It, when you go to the when my experience with the closing is you're part of the show, right? So you're right. We can't hear properly. We have no idea what's going on, but you're just like in a mob of humans and you're like, OK, this is cool, I guess. But <laughs> So I, I hear where you're coming from with just going back to the village to hang out. I get that too. Yeah. Like the closing is probably cooler because you don't have to stick with your, I mean, I love Team Canada. Don't get me wrong. But it's, you can hang out with other um, countries. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cooler concept. I, I think it's, it, 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 it's, I love that idea of like, like the, the mixing. I mean, I love, love how the Youth Olympics are now doing team events where you're not representing your country. You're yeah. representing you know, just a random team A, team B, let's get everyone together and you make friends. And I mean, I think that's, that's super cool. And, and yeah, we'll, I, I don't know, we'll see so if that ever makes it into the big Olympics. What would be your favorite memory from the Olympics then? Uh, honestly, for me, the best memory I have from Rio is the day after the race. So race the 50K, the next day, my legs are all, you know, jello-y and stuff. And I'd been up all night doing CBC stuff and it's hard to sleep after 50k and I was knackered and we had a we had team Canada brought a bunch of um like Canadian tire hockey equipment like bought like road hockey stuff and the field hockey guys want to have a big game of road hockey versus the track guys so I did not want to miss this opportunity so I was like well I can't run around and play but I'll just uh, give me some pads I'll go in net (laughs) and so 
we get out there and the field hockey goalie has his the field um Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't the, wasn't the actual field hockey goalie, but he had the, the, the mask from you know, his, his goalie's mask. He had the chest pad. He had all the field hockey guys had taken all the right-handed sticks. Um, <laughs> I, and we had guys on our team who had never held a hockey stick before. And I, I was in net, no helmet, no chest pad, all 142 pounds of me with these little Canadian tire rinketing pads on. And I just dove around the entire time. And like, we got our, we got killed. Um, <laughs> but it was so much fun. It was such a blast. And, and, you know, the field hockey guys were, were loving it. And, um, that for me is like the, the best memory I'll, I'll take away from the game. Yeah. And now you're like best buds with them all. And you went and cheered them on at their qualifying event in Vancouver. Yeah. Watching those guys qualify, uh, back in late you know, September, October, whatever that was, 2020, yeah. was like the best sporting moment of my life. Like I was like envious. I wanted to be there. That. Yeah, it was. It was pretty rad. So cool. Yeah. Cool. I, I don't know. That was amazing. Even. Yeah. Martha, I don't know about you, but like for me, it's the same thing. It's like meeting the athletes with team Canada that become, Hey guys, do you guys are my lifelong friends? Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So good. So, um, Evan, what can we expect? You have qualified your spot, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm qualified, selected, good to go. When did that happen? Uh, so I qualified in about two years ago, April, 2019, uh, at a race in Japan, um, got the standard and, and yeah, uh, world athletics just kind of kept the qualifying period from like when it started. Okay. Um, cause I didn't think it would be fair to wipe out all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I got lucky. So you just been chilling lucky. for two years. <laughs> Yeah, lucky in the sense that like I did it when I did because, you know, teammates now trying to go and qualify and I had a teammate who was fit, fit as a fiddle last March was in Slovakia to do a race to try to qualify himself and two days before the race it got cancelled. There was supposed to be another 50k in France and so a bunch of them were like hey let's hop on a hop on a train to France and show up in France and the next day that race got cancelled and um, it was just it was, you know, it takes a lot to get ready for a, you know, for a peak for a peak performance and then he kind of, he tried to get ready for another peak performance in November and a race got canceled. And it's like, man, you've, you've gotten yourself there twice and not gotten a chance to, yeah. to, to go for it. So, so yeah, lucky in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And just to clarify though, you, and I know you said you have one race this time, which it's the 50, right? The 50 K. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's super exciting. I'm like, when you were talking about the fact that you get to prep for just one event and like not have to try and balance the two and go find that middle ground, like that to me got me like, I was like, oh man, this is going to be sweet. Cause like having that focus is nice. Like just zone in and like, here we go. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and last Friday I, I, I had my first race, race in th- over 13 months and it was a 20 K race and it was my fastest 20 K in four years. So it was kind of like, yeah, like this isn't coming at the expense of, of yeah. being fast still. So everything's clearly working and, and we're going in the right direction. So it is exciting. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with where we're at right now. So you haven't Amazing. been just sitting on your butt for the last two years since you qualified. I mean, there's a lot of sitting on, your, on my butt that goes on. There's just a couple <laughs> hours a day where I'm also out there training really hard. But but most of the life of an elite athlete is sitting around doing nothing, calling it recovery. Right? <laughs> this is true, yeah. Oh, man. Evan, I'm really proud of you and congratulations on earning your spot. And we wish you all the best um, for this summer. And we're definitely going to be watching. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to chat to you, too.
Um, where can people find you online so that they can keep up with your next races and then also follow you during the Olympics? Yeah. So, uh, Twitter and Instagram are like my main outlets. Um, Instagram's more usually just really weird hair selfies. Um, and then Twitter's like substance. Um, those are both at Evan Dunphy and, um, I'm always happy to engage with people and to chat and to answer questions and stuff. So yeah, if you're interested in, in learning more and following my journey, those are the best places to do it. Awesome. Thank you so much for dropping in with us. Anytime. Thanks for dropping in. If you want to watch this podcast, head over to YouTube. Follow Dropping In on Instagram and Facebook at Dropping In with Mercedes. Thank you, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.